Welcome to the completely unnecessary <laughs> podcast. I'm not sure I'll keep that burp in. For, for Tuesday, July 19th, 2022, the pre-Comic-Con edition. That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we'll be talking about, uh, we'll be asking the question, are retro video games a waste of everyone's time and money? Uh, poly mega issues, Lego sets out the wazoo. Lots of stuff in our intro. The uh, was. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, maybe a Patreon poll topic in relation to my last day job. Blah, 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 blah. I just gave it away. Uh, this weekend, we talked about what this we weekend. had done. This, this past morning. weekend. We well, talked well, this about morning, the past we, weekend. This morning, we, we spoke about the past weekend and our, <laughs> and, our, and our bougie mini golf preferences on the exclusive Patreon podcast if, if anyone out there has any pictures of birdies and bogeys from the galleria mall in buffalo send them to me so you go to you go to uh patreon.com slash see podcast for that um and Ian did some djing this past weekend i saw i saw thor god and uh god love and thunder not god and thunder love and thunder and the backlash was was really weird and i, I thought it was fine it was fine. It was goofy, a little more goofy than I, I would have liked, but it was fine. Christian Bale is obviously great in everything, so whatever. Yeah, it's it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I'll go see and, it at some point. And my Amazon uh, Fire Stick broke on like Saturday, three days after the uh, the Prime Day sale ended, when it would have been like fifteen bucks to get a new one, and it bricked. It just wouldn't operate anymore. I got a new one, so. Um, I had to watch cable TV on my phone and computer. Oh no, or, or YouTube TV, I should say, <laughs> not cable TV. But, it's not uh, so bad to do that. I do it. No, but like I like to relax. That's an awesome couch. It's most co- I fall asleep on the couch all the time. I like to just be on the couch, have my phone, looking at Twitter, doom scrolling while watching, you know, Sports Center or sure, around the it. horn or something. That's, that's that's all. It's different than being. This is like workstation over here. Right, it's 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 not the same thing. Oh, I meant like just running a, a like an HDMI cord from your from a computer from your computer. Oh yeah, I, I could do it from the laptop. You're yeah. right, and then you just and then you I, just I mean, keep your mouse next to you and your remote, and just log into the Netflix app, and it's the same thing. What is this? The two thousands? It works. <laughs> they have HDMI in the early two thousands. I don't know if they did. By then, so I was like, yeah, Pat, they did. This came out this year. The one point oh. Anyway. I want to talk about EA making DLC free, which is basically what we suggested Ubisoft do last week. Yeah, it's not as like... All right, so EA is making DLC free. Thanks. We talked about this last week. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just getting myself set up. Um, so basically, anything that was for Bioware games on the Origin store, uh, most Bioware games, Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age 2, Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3, uh, are all becoming free. Uh, all becoming free. Apparently, this is just mind-boggling to me. I would have made so much fun of it if we knew it at the time. Uh, EA had its has multiple different 
currencies on the origin store. Oh. One of them was called Bioware points. Okay. Which you is a there were a form of currency that you used to buy Bioware specific uh DLC expansion so packs they, and shit. They tied it to that that uh dev yeah, publisher basically. Okay. Yeah. So very weird. Um Okay. You could purchase them for the in-game content packs. Basically, they're doing away with the Bioware points, and because of that, they're making all of those expansions that you would have to have bought with Bioware points uh, free. Um, and then uh, the multiplayer packs um, are not being made free. Afterwards, they can be purchased using credits that you earn in-game. Okay. So that's not so bad. Well... It was weird to get to a weird place where you had to do that by making very like you had to buy multiplayer fucking... packs. Well, you got to play the game. Okay, that's anyways. Uh, anyway, so it, I mean, it's it's not a bad outcome. Uh, well, I thought you were about to play something and you didn't. What was I supposed to play? Ian? I don't know. You were reaching for what? your soundboard, and I'm not going to not going to speak over your soundboard. Um, <laughs> I said it. I usually don't say it and hit it. Anyway, so yeah, it was. It, it, it's a decent outcome and an idea, at least, uh, of what I think companies should uh, be doing once they start to yeah. remove support for these games. Yeah, just just put it out for free. People that bought it ten years ago or five years will be pissed, but it's better than just stripping it away and you can't access if, if it. If they're I mean, pissed over that, they need to find fucking something better. I, I, I'm just in saying. their life to focus on. Holy shit! But yeah. It's, yeah, they're 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 mostly old games too. Like it's been years. Um, well, what, what's the what's the Mass Effect? Uh, was it the what is it the Mass? Is it the Mass Effect? Uh, like HD remake or no? It's just three. Three came out like what six seven years ago. When did that come out? I don't even. The one know. people hated the ending, so they changed it. Yeah, people were complaining about it. Uh, when did that come out? It's been a while since that came out. Uh, twenty twelve. So. Ten years ago. Ten years since the third game. Yeah. I was going to say, I would have actually put it at even older. I thought we talked about it on the podcast that people were whining about the ending. I guess not. It was before the podcast. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Uh, class action lawsuit for PS5 is is is, uh, is going forward, it looks like. Yeah, looks I don't have filed. a whole lot to say about this, but it's like oh. it, uh, every oh, new true. console generation, there's a problem. In every new console generation, the companies try to squash it and keep it down low because they don't want it to affect their sales. When you get to things like the Red Ring of Death, there's nothing anymore a company can do to contain it. It's just <sighs> a fucking nightmare of an unreliable console. Um, I haven't heard, and granted, not saying it's not true. I just haven't been paying attention to the PS5. I haven't heard of a lot of problems with the PS5, but um, clearly there are some, and one of them appears to be that they randomly shut down while you're playing games. Should be a problem. That that sounds like it's uh, not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, you buy a PlayStation 5 almost exclusively to play games, um, so the class action lawsuit is, is going forward. It's filed in Illinois federal court alleging violations of state and federal consumer law. According to the complaint, the PS5 contains a defect that causes the console to suddenly power down all of the users playing video games, often saving, losing save gameplay. Um, all right. I mean, it's, 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 it costs several hundred dollars, this console. You, you'd hope yeah, that, you'd want it to work well. I mean, well, an Xbox 360 didn't. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of bad consoles that were thrown into garbage bins and in landfills like millions but <laughs> I, I spent i spent every day at work for like two and a half years repairing fucking 360 i mean that will probably go down in history as the worst 
hardware designed for a console that just failed. Yeah. I mean, it has to. What was the failure rate? And it was like 20%, 15%. I mean, it wasn't low. Yeah. How many years until we get the retrospective on uh, like like how bad that was? I mean, that's that was 15 years ago. So th- I think at this point. Yeah. 2006. The Red Rings probably started at what, seven and eight? When the height no, of it, it was, no, was, it was immediate. It was immediate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all the, the earlier models are far more at risk. The later original models are less at risk, but still very, very unreliable. It wasn't until they the released the remodel, the Slim, that the 360 became a reliable console. Reliable console. We still uh, got them in for repairs, but at, at no more, at no, uh, uh, no larger of a rate than like PS3s and other stuff. Sure. I remember when I found mine. Remember I told you I found the call. Uh, I found the the Modern Warfare Two bundle at the, at the swap meet for like twenty bucks. And I said, Ian, I think I called you time. What are the odds? Just I said, Ian, what does this cost? I said, okay, it'll cost you this past sixty bucks or whatever to get it. I was like, okay, then even still, it's still worth it. It worked though. Like it was, it was, right. it was amazing. Sure, I still have it. I mean, it never. It was not a, a red ring ver, uh, number. You'd assume at the swap meet they were. You would assume work. any loose, yes. untested 360 console is is red ringed. Yeah. And that was like 2009 uh, or late 2000, early 2010. It was still a new console. It wasn't. You know what I mean? It was still in the Xbox One had come hadn't come out yet. So it was like shocking. Anyway, Ian, uh, we have an up small update. Update. Update to the from the man Robert Stack. Um. GameStop, NFT marketplace. Uh, game. There were pirated games on there via NFTs for a while. That if you bought the NFT, you got access to games. I think they were removed uh, from there, but there was tweets about it. There was a game called uh, Galactic Wars that was on there. Um, Pico 8 games were, were being right. sold by someone. Uh, let's see, Volcano Byte said, hey, GameStop NFT, why do you allow this NFTs to be sold on your site? Who has given this user permission to sell these Pico 8 games as their own? Are you crazy or do you have no respect or anyone? And uh, I didn't see any articles about this. When I clicked on it, it was gone. Yeah, it looks like it's but gone But it now. looked like if there's no oversight of who's uploading the, these NFTs on even GameStop site, we're talking copyright infringement, trademark infringement can be happening. Right. Are you shocked by this? No. Are we shocked by this? This no, was, this, no, and, no, we're not. And this happened anyway. within like three days of the shop being open. Three, four days. Yeah, this happened. It's going to be a nightmare. I cannot wait until the financials come out about how poorly this is doing for GameStop. About how how what the sales actually are. Yeah. Versus how much they they sunk into this shit. I mean, that's got to come out eventually, right? I feel like that's got to be something that comes out in a stockholder report. I, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, the person that uploaded it had a response. Uh, Hey guys, some folks on Twitter encouraged us to reach out to you and said you were upset about the game listing on the GameStop marketplace. And they said, your game has the unlicensed license on it for commercial use, so what's the issue here? And it's like, no, dude, that's not how it works. Yeah. You can't just sell something that's not your own. Right. And then pair it to a fucking NFT. It's ridiculous. Fucking idiots. Um, yeah, so that's all. I, there wasn't like an article about it, I don't think. Um, so anyway. Anyway. Uh Let's talk about what's going on in Europe right now with uh, loot boxes. Um, Eurogamer article. Eurogamer, your source for gaming in Europe. 
Yeah, UK government demands changes to better protect young boxes, young boxes, young, young boxes. people from loot boxes. Uh, game companies and platforms need to do more. So we've talked a lot in the past about how uh, Europe, UK has been, uh, you know, pretty. Uh, I've been on the forefront of the, the forefront of, of of recognizing loot boxes as a predatory practice, and deeming it gambling, and deeming and it gambling, tr- trying to regulate it in some aspects. Uh, so back in June 2020, uh, they uh, launched a call for evidence on loot boxes in response to the digital culture, media, and sport uh, inquiry into immersive and addictive technologies. Um, they say loot boxes should not be available to children without consent of parents or guardians, and it will not hesitate to consider legislation if companies do not bring in sufficient measures to keep players safe. Uh, this is all well and good. The old ESRB thing from the 90s. You've got to regulate yourselves or we're going to do it. Right. Um, so this is all well and good, but uh, I, do it. I don't think anything's really going to come of it, unfortunately, without legislation. And I don't know... Technically, they shouldn't be available to children already without the consent of parents and guardians because children under the age of 18 don't hold purse strings. I mean, they can have their own money. The credit card could be in the system. That's the problem, I guess. Right. I guess. But then, you know, how are you going to verify that? What are you going to use some sort of you could use some sort of like two step verification that sends it to a parent's phone and they have to okay it. I think that could probably work. Um, But I don't. Yeah, I don't think the video game industry is really going to get a fire under their ass until legislation yeah. comes in. Well, why would why would EA do something that's going to make them less money voluntarily? Right. Well, well even if it's like ten percent, fifteen percent, why would they do that? You're, you're talking about like the ESRB, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, the ESRB and game ratings probably impacted sales a little bit at first, but it wasn't cutting directly into the revenue stream. This actively loses companies millions Directly. and sometimes billions of dollars yeah um so uh, i think it's going to be a lot harder to get modern video game, com- game companies to say yeah okay we'll regulate ourselves sure you can regulate your spending at ultimate for sure you sure can you can spend a little or a lot on uh rbi baseball stickers certain nes and super Nintendo guidebooks uh the CEO podcast and owl pin is back in stock get it there it is oh, Ian's Woo! Yawning a lot Woo! Woo! yeah that felt good ian new medicine um, makes me very sleepy that's okay. why i'm drinking two diet cokes <laughs> uh i apologize pixel pet hairpin and more at ultimate nintendo.com i'll be on cameo no i'm not i'm always on cameo but no one does it cameo.com slash pet country I get a cameo once every three weeks at this point. That's okay. I'll be on Twitch Wednesday. Twitch.tv slash Contra Code for all your 80s, 70s, 60s, and 90s commercials needs. Yeah. It's fun. It's a good time. Ian thinks it's fun every, once every seven months when he's there. He thinks it's a good time. We actually have a have a, a chat command, uh, exclamation point Ian, and it'll say whether or not you're in the server. <laughs> Did you not know that? No, I didn't. That's pretty fun. So it'll say Ian is not, not in the chat. Then, then when you do show up, uh, the best mod, Audrey has to change it real quick to say Ian is in the chat. <laughs> you did not know that. You didn't really know that last time you were there? No, I did not. Were you there for the 100th? You were there for the 100th. Yeah, briefly. That was like 10 weeks ago at this point. Uh, that's fun. And we're going to be at the Long Island. We are. That's Retro coming up real soon. In a month. Is it a month? It's I... a month. It's, uh, it feels mid- like it's perpetually two weeks away. So, <laughs> it's per- Really? That's how it feels well, I just, I, It feels like I, I was just at a convention a week a week ago, and it felt like it was three weeks and I was at another one before, and I thought that was three months ago. My sense of time is uh, all screwed up lately from being out of time for the work thing. And that Comic-Con this weekend. Uh, yeah, we're going to be at Comic-Con, probably. Yeah, the Long Island uh, Retro Gaming Expo 
is August 12th to 14th. That's four weeks, I believe, from – is that four weeks from a couple of days ago or is that four weeks from this weekend? It's coming up. That's all you got to know. We'll be there with bells on, with my my pies on, my New York, New Jersey brethren, and, and I will I will treat a couple people to pizza, including Ian, if he's nice to me. Uh, three and a half weeks. So it's three, three weeks from this weekend? Three weeks from this weekend. Holy. 29th, week of the 29th, week of the 5th, and then the convention. Oh, my God. It's just this word, word. Weekend. Uh, Christmas is coming up soon. Jeez, Christmas in July. Here we are. And then um, I'm doing something special. You de- you demanded it. The compilation. Compilation. It's going to be three parts of the Tommy voice messages. Three parts. I'm going to premiere the first one. Um, this uh, Saturday or Sunday? It'll be... Follow me on Twitter, but I'll premiere it. It'll be fun, and I'll do them like once a week, and we'll get them out there. Uh, it's what you demanded... You demanded it, and there might be a, a reveal of of who actually uh, voiced them by request. Um, I think it's and fun. I'll be a, uh, I'll, I'll uh, say uh, it right now. Uh, there's a few people who were so certain they know who exactly it is, and it's not. Oh, oh people like in the anti or, or critical amigo community are like, oh yeah, we know. Well, we have the, in, we have the, the in the in the in the pro uh, the in the anti amico and pro amico community, there are people who swear it's one person and it's not. But I love the I love, love the, the conviction, conviction. Yeah. with which they're wrong. The, b- besides me and Ian and the person that has done it, there might be two other people on the planet that knew maybe and that's just because they they might have shared a a sunny with, with the person at friendlies a few weeks ago and that's it like, right no one fucking knew and i just love how arrogant how people think are oh, they know about these things or the inner workings of things and they know absolutely nothing right i was going to rub your nose in the fucking dirt about that <laughs> as much as i can i think it's hysterical we have a uh short because we can't make it what? a full topic scumbag Seller of the week. Week intro week. version. Intro version. Uh, so there's what? a seller. This is coming from uh, Captain Briegall on Twitter. There is an eBay seller in the UK that has been printing counterfeit game soundtracks. They are selling for thirty to fifty USD, and then sellers in Japan are buying them and flipping them for two hundred to three hundred USD. Oh God! Uh, and one of the ones they're doing is a. Uh, banjo kazooie cd soundtrack um if you look at the cover the back you can find spots that easily Ugh. look different so like if you look at the the official versus counterfeit cover if you look at the o's on banjo kazooie they're totally different than the o's on the counterfeit they um they they have like a shine to them in on the first one and on the inside on the second one the interiors are like way way more muted um Ugh. The printing, the color on the discs is off uh, by a, a pretty con- a pretty decent amount of... Uh, it's a pretty decent shade difference. And then the inner rings look different. Um, honestly, these are the same sorts of things you look for when you buy a sapphire or something. Always look at the inner rings. Always look at the paint color on the printing on the CD. Um, and there's always going to be some sort of weird difference. Yeah, it's very difficult to do a full counterfeit of one of these things you need of like a cd the, it's very hard you need a you need basically the same expensive probably replication sort of uh setup and things like that um so anyway, i'm confused i'm confused here it, are they in cahoots or, or are the people in japan not realizing they're counterfeit well i have a feeling what's I, I, it, to me it sounds like kind of like laundering to almost give a a a um facade of 
uh, legitimacy. Legitimacy. I don't know. This is like an international crime if they if right. they're in cahoots with each other. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly, but I'm thinking they sell them for that much, and then the I, yeah, I really have no idea. We don't have the eBay listing on here. Oh, we do. It's oh, there. It is. It's down below. Uh, they they ended the listing. Um, the seller is uh, let's see original listing. Who's the seller on here? Um, the the culture. Oh, underscore seven. That's that's the that's it. They're, the last one sold for twenty five bucks. Oh, and the discard uses the wrong font entirely, so oh, you should yeah. be able to check that. Oh, you're not going to like this if you look at what else they're selling. They're selling original soundtrack uh, from the thing. Uh, fuck them. Oh, Maura Cohn did this. Did the did the. Yeah. Score for that? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. You need to watch that fucking movie. Watch it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Watch it! I watched more of that than you watched Betrayal Little China before I told you to watch it. I've seen a few scenes of the thing. Yeah, we'll watch the whole thing. I, I, I've seen that X-Files episode that ripped it off. I know what's up. Big Trouble in Little China. You, you ever see that, that yeah, X-Files episode? Series? Well, it's fucking awesome. It's really good. It's a little different, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's not exactly. But it's but the setting is very yeah, it's similar. Really, really good. The, the, I'm telling you, those first two, three seasons of X Files are banger after banger. I brought that up before. Oh yeah, no, they're fantastic. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, what, what else is going on here? Uh, Nintendo acquired an animation studio. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. So this is interesting news, and this is why Nintendo has been trying to get their their Mario uh, picture made. Mm-hmm. I wonder either if there's been trouble with that or they now realize, hey, we can save a shitload of money if we just have our own animation studio and just do this ourselves. Well, someone but, I know said uh, that they 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 saw a first cut. They were shown uh, the first cut of it. Of the, of the Mario movie? Yes. Oh, okay. And that was months ago. So I also wonder, and it's a person that I absolutely trust to, okay. to, have, to have actually said that and seen it. Um, unless they misspoke and they meant they saw a trailer, but they said they saw an early cut of the movie. And with that being the with case, voice acting? Uh, I, I'm assuming so. Yes. Okay. Um, but I, with the amount of silence, no trailer, really no nothing. The movie getting delayed. The movie was delayed, I believe, after this person told me they saw the first cut of it. So I'm really kind of curious I, what the state of that movie is in. I am so... I'm still perplexed on the casting and how they went off the rails on the voices and they didn't go for something closer to what people expected from the games. Uh, I'm not saying you have to have the same voice actors. You didn't need necessarily to bring Charles Martinet, but to go off and just do voices that don't match what the characters are, I just think it's nuts. Maybe that's what it is, but maybe they've realized we can we can or should do more. So that's what I mean. I'm not saying it's negative news, this, or positive. I don't know what it is, but uh, this is the actual uh, news here from comingsoon.net. They purchased the animation studio behind uh, Pikmin Shorts, which I was not aware of those. Uh, Dynamo Pictures, an animation studio in Tokyo that collaborated on several animated Pikmin Shorts that premiered on the 3DS. You familiar with those? Nope. Renamed Nintendo Pictures, the studio will continue to work on the development of visual content utilizing Nintendo IP, according to the press release. 
Nintendo has decided to acquire 100% of the outstanding shares, excluding treasury shares of Dynamo Pictures, and make, make it a wholly owned subsidiary to strengthen the planning and pro- production structure of visual content in the Nintendo group. We'll see how this goes. I remember when Square did the same thing and then put out that Final Fantasy movie and did absolutely nothing with their uh, their their studio afterwards. The Final Fantasy movie I saw in, in 2001 to see the Spider-Man trailer or one after that? There was only one. Just that crappy one? Oh, well, there's, there's Final Fantasy Advent Children, but I don't okay. think that ever got a full wide release. The Spirits Within movie got a I, full wide release. I still release. can't believe I saw it just for the Spider-Man trailer. <laughs> or teaser, I should say. Uh... So this is what I'm going to say about Nintendo. They usually don't make moves like this unless they have a plan, in my opinion. So I'm not saying we're going to see uh, uh, a bunch of animated shows coming out, but we, as Frank would say, it's not nothing. We're not going to see nothing happening from sure. this. I, I, I don't know why there has not been more like a, or animated series regularly. You know, there's always... I mean, Pokemon doesn't really count. Uh, you, you have all these Sonic... You know, every other year there's like Sonic series and things like that. Like, why couldn't there have been Mario series the past 30 years? Because I think, Um, I mean, I just, I don't think, they're mostly silent characters in the games. And I've said this before, the the character is not built in. The the personality is not built in. They had them in the early cartoons. Right. I mean, for better or for worse. Uh, People love those cartoons. Yeah, they weren't bad, but I'm just saying like. Uh, I just don't know. Nintendo worked so hard to sanitize and clean their games that I think it would be hard to... Tr- and that's I mean, why I think this movie is going to not be great. It's hard to just like... Because everyone at this point has their own idea of what Mario okay. or Link is like. Sure, but at some point he's got to say this is an interpretation. I mean, how many games in before Sonic got a voice? How many games was it before Sonic spoke? I think like one. One game? One or two. Well, what do you didn't have a voice in the Genesis? What? Do you, what, do you, what? No, I'm talking about cartoons. No, I mean how many Genesis? How many Genesis? In, so, oh, uh, well, Dreamcast. So it was like several, like eight, nine games. Yeah, in. but there was already. My point is, there was already multiple cartoon series that led up to that. That 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 instructed what his voice was going to be okay. like. So, so it was easy. It was an easy transition. So uh, what are we going to do with Mario? Are we going to go back and make him like the cartoons from the 90s? I, I, I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm saying it's clear to me got, that it's difficult. I think that I think people got to get over the fact that it's a different medium and it is it's going to be what it is. I mean, you're not going to like it. I mean, I, I hate I hate sure, the, but people don't I have to Chris, like it. And I think no, no. that's what's going to happen. But like, yeah, the Chris Pratt voice is not the way to go. I'm not saying that I, I would like something more traditional. Uh, you know, back to the, there goes my 81 shirt on the chair over there. Uh, but okay, we'll we'll see what happens. But they're going to do something. But you can do a Star Fox series easily. Do an adventure series. Sure, a Star Fox series would be a, easy. You, you, you can do a Zelda series. No, no you refuse. No. You can do a Samus uh, series. I think you, you could do Metroid. I think you could do. Uh, uh, I think you could do Star Fox. I think they're going to do more than that, Ian. For they're gonna, they're gonna. I'm not the saying they're not. I'm saying it's gonna be bad. It's good. Oh, okay. Is this Lego Bowser bad? Even? No, this Lego Bowser is fucking incredible. Um, so I'm looking forward. to This is like the one thing I want to make sure I see this weekend at Comic Con. Uh, oh, is gonna be a Comic Con? You think? Yes, the, the it already says. It says touching oh, down I, at San Diego Comic Con. You know, it's your topic. You know. Um, I mean, you can't put a 14 foot, you know, Bowser. Just 14 anywhere. feet. This thing is 14 feet. Shit. 6,900, 6, 
663,900 Lego bricks inside of of it. Um, It'll be there from 721 to 724. It's mechanized. um, Mechanized. Uh, and it's massive. And I love Bowser Boy. Love him. So I got to see that and get my picture you, taken with it. You love King Koopa, huh? Yep. And then in addition, and also uh, in video game related Lego news, uh, just like oh. they did the Lego NES a few years ago. Oh, okay, I can't comment on that at all. Yeah, I mean, you can. Uh, we. I mean, it's just one thing. <laughs> Is it being used to promote? Other products or just doing it just to do it? I mean, obviously they had their, their line now. Oh, probably. I mean, that's what I would assume. They've got the whole Mario line, so sure. it makes sense. Yeah, Mario, they got Luigi, they got the play sets. Okay. Oh, it. and there looks like there is a smaller version of the Spouser that you can buy. Oh, there you go, Ian. That's, that's what I'm, I want to dig deeper sometimes. Going to be tough for me to. How much smaller is it? Like a foot? I don't know, but I'm going to have to probably buy it. You're going to have to probably buy it. Yeah. Rainy Day Legos. There's like nothing I really want at Com this year, anyways. And then they're doing the Atari, just like they did the NES. They're doing a Lego Atari uh, for a lot of money. It looks gorgeous. It does. Slap slap a Lego penis on there, Ian. Um, They they have a fake wood grain that looks pretty funny. Yeah, how they kind of faked it uh, with like little like yep multicolor line going through it. There's carts. There's uh, adventure and centipede and asteroids. No combat, huh? Combat? Is there like a rights issue with the name combat? Is that why you don't see it come up in some of these multi packs? You don't combat gets pushed to the side. I don't know. Uh, that's something I've noticed there. Uh, so you get you get you get the console. It looks like does that is that life size? It looks close. You get a console. Oh you, my god! Okay, uh, I was it, wondering what the cool thing would be. So there is no like TV or anything like that. No, there's a fold out diorama. Oh, scroll down. That's actually oh yeah, I awesome. saw that. That's awesome. You get like a like a late seventies, early eighties little little living room setup yep. with like with with the green green carpet. That's the color of the tile. Like it's there's a, it's a kitty cat. There's things on the wall. Oh, that's the, cool as hell. Uh, this looks this looks life size. Uh, the console or close to it. You get one joystick with a wire. Looks like a Vader uh, in size. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a four switcher. Yeah, but it's like the second version, uh, and then you get could be my favorite thing. You get the cart holder. Yeah, that's cool. Remember they remember those cart yep. holders they had? You probably haven't Luno video games two locations, uh, or you, they were usually like what twelve carts or there was two right. two uh, two columns of them. This it's weird. I actually like this on the surface better than the NES one because of the interchangeable carts. Because the diorama is a cute little thing. I guess there's multiple and, dioramas. Because of that, and, and because of the card holder, it's it's more kitschy. I don't know. The, the NES one's still cool. I'm not saying that. But the, the fact that you can make your own TV and do the little thing and you go through it, I, I get how that... I don't know. This seems a little bit more interesting to me, which is weird. I never thought I'd say that. No, I agree. Uh, now I, that I, see I think it. this is actually kind of neater. Yeah. I, I guess they had to pump it up. It's two hundred and forty dollars, which is about the price at the NES one. The NES one you can buy for two thirty, brand new, so in the same ballpark. Um, almost twenty six hundred pieces. Almost. It's like ah, uh, they were they were they fell short. Should have did a couple more carts. Yeah, to get there. <laughs> It'd be available August first. Uh, obviously, we we're, we're celebrating the fiftieth anniversary. I'm kind of happy that we've had all this good news about Atari come out the past year, year and a half with the recharge stuff late last year. Uh, this you have the, the the new set coming out from uh, Digital Eclipse, right? Like this is yeah. what we want—not fucking crypto or a hotel 
or the shitty uh, VCS console. This is speaker hats. Uh, this is what we want to celebrate Atari. This is the, this is the only thing you can do. Is this? This is it for this. This might be it. Yeah, if you're gonna try uh, to cash in on a nostalgia, cash in on the nostalgia. Like, yeah, don't. Like, I would consider, you know, buying this. We never, I mean, the hotel, I, the hotel thing was just the whole what? The hotel thing was just casino, I casino idea, idea. I, online was, crypto <laughs> casino. Too. It's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, we're talking about this Unity boss criticizing mobile developers. Yeah, this got people in an uproar uh, over the past week, and for good reason. Uh, Unity, first of all, sold uh, was purchased, I believe, uh, by... They were either purchased by or they purchased uh, basically a known malware company. So, yeah, you're, you know, one of the most ingrained development uh, you know, uh, environments for game makers. Unity uh, now is 100% associated with a malware uh, company. But in addition to that... Uh, anti-malware or malware? No, malware. Oh, malware. Malware. Okay. Yes. Known malware. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I'm speaking correctly. <laughs> I know <laughs> I love any, words, but yes, that, that doesn't is... doesn't make any sense. Uh, Unity boss and former EA exec uh, John Ricitello uh, has also been under fire for comments about monetization and um, says that uh, a very small portion of the gaming industry doesn't monetize their mobile games. And I think he was talking about developers in general. Um, he also says they're also some of the biggest fucking idiots. And that's not going to fucking fly with game developers. You know, some people maybe actually look at their games as, you know, a complete thing and don't want to rip customers off sure. and sell a full product. And to call the people who use your products every fucking day uh, big fucking idiots because they don't cheat people out of money is gross. I mean, it's fucking disgusting. I mean, I, there's it, not a whole lot more to say <laughs> about it. It's just dumb as fuck. Is this the guy behind the need for speed gas uh, <laughs> apps shit? That'd be funny. So, yeah. I mean, fuck it. Because he worked at EA. I thought that, you know. Sure. (laughs) John says, I need the gas button. Uh, He also says things like, I've seen great games fail because they tuned their compulsion loop to two minutes when it should have been an hour. Compulsion loop. Is that like surprise mechanics, Uh, asshole? Again, I hate corporate CEO talk, but when people talk like this, they no longer care about games. They care about squeezing every fucking penny from you. And they are not to be trusted. That's all I got to say about that. Um, speaking to PocketGamer.biz, Ricitiello said that the mobile games industry had changed and it was no longer the case that developers throw their game over the wall to the publicist and sales force with literally no interaction beforehand. <clears throat> that model is baked into the philosophy of, of a lot of art forms and medium. And it's one I am deeply, deeply respectful of. I know their dedication and care. But this industry divides people between those who still hold to that philosophy and those who massively embrace how to figure out what makes a successful product. Here's a problem. Uh, is it John? Your idea of, of success is not someone else's idea of success. Right. That that varies wildly based upon the size of the company or dev and you know profit margin or what they're happy with. Someone might be putting happy putting out a mobile app that makes a hundred thousand dollars and they sell it for three dollars and with no you know with no microtransactions and that's it. They don't have to make a million dollars. They don't have to have whales that spend you know ten thousand dollars on your game. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong to design a game like that. There's different models how you want to go, but you can't say it's wrong. It, it, that's that's a weird, weird criticism. I don't understand. Like, what are you afraid that there'll be less 
less uh, compulsion cycles going forward in the industry. I don't. I, don't, I mean, the other thing I can think of is the more people that do that, the worse off microtransaction games look. Sure, but I also think he was probably just talking off the cuff, and he's an asshole. Okay, no. So wait, so what's this thing? Go back to the thing about the malware thing. So what happened with Unity? They they, they merged with the with a malware company. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it's been all over the news. Is, is, was it uh, what is this? Uh, Iron Source. <clears throat> Unity is merging with a company who made a malware installer. Is that what Iron Source did? Uh, uh, yes. If you don't know Iron Source Unity's statement reads, they bring a proven record of helping creators focus on what creators do best, bringing great apps and user experiences to life while enabling business expansion in the app economy. Iron Source is also well known for another reason. It developed InstallCore, a wrapper for bundling software installations. If you've searched for a popular program and seen a link to a third-party site with a URL, with a URL that ended in something like downloadb.net, or hdownload.net, it may have well been install core. If you make okay. the mistake of downloading it, basically it installs ourselves some bullshit. Was that their goal, though, or they put out this, this is an open source SDK that was then used uh, from everyone? I mean, they didn't say, like, how oh, we want to use this for malware. They just re- it's a wrapper for bundling software installations. Okay. I mean, it, uh, it, it was it, they, they haven't stopped people from doing it, and I mean, that's generally what wrappers for bundling software installations are for. Okay. It seems like, how did they grow up from that? Then that was, that was their first product. Uh, then they grew after that. Uh, a lot of uh, open to U.S. San Francisco. Okay, all right. I'm not looking into Iron Source. People out there in the comments can fight about it. I have no fucking clue. What people can fight about though is not getting their polymega, polymega consoles. I thought we were saving this for next week. Oh, are we? Okay, then we're saving for next week. You were all excited <laughs> about saving this for next week. Okay, Ian, I'm just saying. You'll be snappy. We'll, <laughs> just... we'll just Control X and get rid of it. There. <laughs> I'm just saying. We'll just Control X. Uh, you were very excited about having a, a, a topic uh, preloaded. I, I wouldn't know about excited about it. I just think it's oh, nice. No, you were, you were. I wasn't. I wasn't doing cartwheels in my living room. Pretty close. Pretty, pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, so we'll look into that a little bit more and come back to you. In a yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, with Polymega. Some people are, are complaining. We'll see. If There's they, more news. We'll see if they respond. This summer is showing welcoming signs of a more normal life ahead. Finally, you can get back to enjoying life's little pleasures, like smiling at your neighbor, seeing a movie, and going to the post office. Okay, some parts of normal life aren't so great, but with Stamps.com, you can skip trips to the post office and save on postage. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay less. A lot less, with discounted rates from USPS and UPS. Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. I've used stamps.com personally for over 10 years now, shipping out DVDs, t-shirts, stickers, pins, what have you. It's great. It's saving me time and money. Stamps.com brings the same U.S. postal and UPS shipping services right to your computer. They make it easy for small businesses to mail and ship without needing to take a trip to the post office. Print official U.S. postage and shipping labels 24-7 without having to leave your desk or buy any fancy equipment. All you need is your computer and standard printer. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. It's a no-brainer, Stamps.com. It's saving nearly 1 million small businesses, owners like you and me, time and money. We offer deals you can't get anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. And with their switch and save feature, you can quickly compare carriers to find the best rates every time. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With our promo code CU podcast, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the home, 
homepage and type in CU Podcast. That's stamps.com, promo code CU Podcast. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. Uh, retro video games are a waste of everyone's time and money. According to an article. According to uh, a reader feature from Game Central uh, in metro.co.uk. Um, so people, a lot of people sent us this article uh, to check out, and it clearly uses a very clickbaity title. And while I don't agree with everything in here, I think he's throwing out the baby with the bathwater a little too much. Um, he makes some really good points. Uh, and basically... He or they? We don't know who the, wrote this. Uh, yeah, good Do point. we? There's no name oh, on I this. Thought there was, okay, yeah, they. Um, yeah, there is no name. Okay, so they, Game Central. Uh, <laughs> they uh, talk about how they don't like People who fo- they well first they start off by saying they don't think retro games are that great. Uh, we don't know the age of this person. I've found that that is you know certainly a opinion that some younger people hold who did not grow up with it, and even some older people who did grow up with them. Games sometimes don't age well. <laughs> and <laughs> and they talk about how and it's especially true of some of like the early PlayStation games. What we allowed as passable graphics back then to try new things really don't look, you know, fantastic today. Um, they realize that there's a lot of nostalgia associated with it. And, you know, they, that they don't understand the, the focus necessarily on backwards compatibility. Um, so they don't, they say that they understand people who would like to buy, who buy these games every once in a while or whatever, who collect them. That's really not their problem. When they get to the, the crux of their argument, what they're saying is, is that focus on retro titles too often, especially in the modern day, for modern systems. especially in yeah. the modern day, uh, pull away from new things happening. And a couple examples they use are Microsoft's excessive focus on backwards compatibility during the Xbox One era because there really was nothing new coming out. So they were using it as a fallback to get people excited, but as yeah. much as I like the backwards compatibility options on on stuff like the Xbox, I can tell you personally from working in the game store, not that many people used it. It was a nice feather in Microsoft's cap to be able to say they had it, but ideally, was it really used as much as they think they would have hoped? I don't know. Well, that, but there was a big selling point on, on the new Xboxes, right? Well, that was, yes, but I feel like that's uh, something that people lunged at, and they were like, yeah, backward, and then didn't really do a whole lot with, because they realized that well, they could no be new, playing... There was no games coming out. Sure. But that was, um, I think his thing was they focused too much on that instead of focusing on something new. I, I agree that I think the focus on the backwards compatibility was because of the lack of something new. I don't think yes. the focus on retro uh, ba- mean, backwards compatibility, um, I don't think that prevented something new from coming out. No, but when you look at from a business perspective, which I like to do, you're talking about backwards compatibility. It's like, okay. We, we put some R&D into this feature, not a huge amount, versus having potentially hundreds of titles available for people to play with the subscription maybe tied to it. That's a big selling point, and we're going to make a lot of money with that with minimal effort. And, and, and from that perspective, I agree with the authors. Like, you are kind of – I wouldn't say you're not stifling innovation. You can do two different things at once. You can walk and chew gum. But if that's the a main feature of, a, of your newest console – Right. Um, what, like, why is that a feature? Like, I, I kind of agree on that point. Like, why is that a feature? Obviously, you have uh, you want to do preservation and things like that. 
but you still have these old consoles. I mean, you can still play most of these games. Um, so I, it, it is kind of strange to lean on that. I, I do agree. Um, let me, let me just talk about the, what was this big by this? Uh, a lot of it's nostalgia. Yeah, I realize that, but this is what they say. But I remember when Microsoft started pushing backwards compatibility and I was excited. I was, and I was excited to put in some kind of my old OG Xbox discs and see how they looked. And I wish I had it because it killed my sense of nostalgia over them. In short, they looked terrible. And in general, they played worse, even with enhancements. To you. To you. To you. They look terrible. To a lot of people, they look fine. I'm not saying that everyone, like, yeah, people want to be, want their, their upgraded uh, modern HD banjo uh, game or they, they want their upgraded. Um, you know, not Banjo, fucking Crash Bandicoot. They want their updated version. To some people, though, they're fine playing it how they played it when they were, you know, 10 years old right. in, in the mid to late 90s. They're fine with that. So they do go on to make two more points though, that I think are better, uh, better thought out, and I, I agree with mostly. Um, the first is they uh, talk a lot about how... Um, the the focus on these older games leads to far more remakes and f- and remakes far quicker than we need to see them and more remakes than we really need of certain games because they focus on the old games they focus on past success far too much that they don't and this is very true and this is what people said about Naughty Dog when Naughty Dog announced the Last of Us remaster okay it's a good game but we just got well, uh, this is a remake. We just got a remaster that was perfectly fine on the PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. And the original game came out on the PlayStation 3. And not ten, even at ten the, years ago. And not even at the beginning of it. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a good chunk of the way in. It's a 10-year-old game. So, you know, that's a great uh, point. You know, this uh, this focus on the past and just milking the same successes over and over again does lead to burnout. It is part of the reason why I don't care about AAA games. And it does literally take staff away from making something new yes. and taking a risk. That stifles innovation. That stifles creativity. That's going back to the well. Uh, imagine if we re-released... Uh, it's a problem in the movie industry of of remakes to a lesser degree, but, but sequels. Sequelitis. Yeah, sequelitis. We'll just keep putting out sequels because we don't want to take a risk with a new property. But I... And this, this has happened now with three or four big franchises... Uh, you got uh, the Halo remakes. You have Mass Effect remasters. You have 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 this have this Last of Us. Where like, do we really want to get into this space where on every new console we're going to be remaking each game subsequently? Like, is that really where we're going to get to? Are we going to are we going to start seeing? Uh, I mean, it's failed as well. I mean, the, the, uh, thankfully we're not seeing uh, some of these older like like the the, the, the was it the, the the Grand Theft Auto three remake. Or HD was fucking disastrous. I don't yeah. think they're going to try another one of those. Uh, ever no, again. they just said they're remaking oh. Red Dead Redemption. Oh, great. great, yeah, man, great. It's, it's never going to stop, bud. <laughs> never, great. never, ever. What do I know? Um, but yes, that does keep teams away. They're they're really going to remake Red Dead Redemption? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was announced like a week ago because everyone was like, "Oh, you did a great job." Is on that the game GT. ten years old? Uh, the first one that was PlayStation Two. So yes, that game's older than ten years. Oh, Red Dead Revolver. Oh, Red Dead. I'm sorry, Red Dead Redemption. You're right. Yeah, Redemption is, is the sequel. Technically, it's like the Soul yeah. Calibur to the. No, no, you're Souls right. Edge. You're right. You're right. Uh, uh, 2010. It's 12 years. Excuse me, but I don't know. Um, wow. Yeah, maybe I was wrong. What? What? Maybe what happened? I was wrong. They're not doing a remake. A uh, new remake leak likely false. Okay, good. Because because I, I did see about putting more resources into GTA 6 is why they're pulling off of the online. Right. So I guess the point is this. I don't want to. 
I don't think it's healthy for the industry to, to remake these games, like you said, because you're gonna have all these people working on these remakes, and then why? Like, why can't we have new games? Well, and yeah, and people we? are gonna get tired um, of it too. No expression, no creativity, no no feeling like you're working on something new or groundbreaking. And diminishing returns. Yeah, top. Yeah, so you just said this would be the second Last of Us remake or remaster in yeah. ten years. They did one on PS4, and now they're doing the remake on PS. Well, it is, this is gonna be up to the consumers to decide the fate. The consumers got roundly say no this is unacceptable i have two versions of this already i don't want this third version right and that's it and then they'll stop doing it I mean, and it's, it's it. all part of uh, this race for photorealism too which i fucking hate c- yeah do we, I, I play uh, video games to go to fantasy worlds i don't play video games to like every once in a while sure it, there's there's games that benefit from it but for the majority i'd rather have stylized art and interesting takes yeah you know what everyone's talking about today straight Right, which I'm going to buy as soon as I get home. I just think it's funny, just as an aside, that like, yeah, I'd heard about this game, but now like everyone's talking about this game this day. In like, 2017, I, they uh, released a very short 30 second clip, and I've been waiting for it since. I just think it's funny because it's like it's nice to see a game that isn't like just a big shooter or, yeah. or zombie fucking game. No, and, absolutely. And everyone's talking about it, and it's not like this isn't a game worked on by a thousand people, right? This is a it's a double I think a it's game. A pretty pretty small team. Double A at most, probably. Yeah. Um, and everyone's talking about it, and it's an original game. Yep, look at that. It's an original game. Yeah, it's getting good reviews. People, are, oh, it's a cat game, so come on. Single player, yes, as well. I'm uh... the developer doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Blue Twelve Studios trying to look up the developer's history. They don't even have a Wikipedia page. So nice. Small team from the south of France, made up of, of cats and, and a handful of humans. There you go. This is what we want to see. Yes, innovation. Untitled Goose Game. You want stuff like that that takes risks, different art styles, different game uh, types, and this is how you, uh, this is how you expand the art form, and this is what's better overall for the industry. Not remakes every four years. Go back and play the old one if you can. Go 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 upscale it on your PC if you want. That's my opinion with that. Um, another small point that he makes that I do think is pretty decent is he talks about the Starfield trailer. And how they people finally saw some gameplay, and people were let down that it looks like Skyrim. And Bethesda, in particular, has a, this habit of not doing a whole lot between. They found a they found a successful formula, and they keep churning it out. And he talks about how obsession with these old games, obsession with something like Skyrim, which got fifty gazillion ports, has led companies to just making a new Skyrim, but a different uh, with a different skin instead of. Uh, you know, uh, progressing and, and working on a better um, system. The same thing happened with Final Fantasies in the middle years. They were good games, but people got sick of seeing the same battle system um, over and over again. People don't want to play the same system over and over again, and it's playing it too cautiously because you know people like the old stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm less I'm less bullish on that point just because once you establish a structure to your game and genre. I mean, what are you saying? They shouldn't have done Red Dead because it's basically GTA in the Wild West? I mean, like... No, but uh, that looks... It, it looks different. The stories are different. There's different mechanics. I feel like... I feel like with something like Star... With, so you don't with, think Starfield's gonna have somewhat different mechanics going to space and I'm sure it does, like but I feel like with Sky... Well, and I don't play Red Dead and GTA precisely because they are similar to each other and I don't like open-world games. Okay. Um, And I think with something like Starfield, I think that's fine with you know, Elder Scrolls six or whatever one is coming. You keep it that way. But with a new series, I think it's lazy to just use the same mechanics. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I th- at some point, the mechanics have to be similar to each other. You can say that about sports games. It's going to be the same mechanics. And you love you love the MLB games. The, the mechanics are going to be drastically different year to year, right? What ML- well, I mean, I play some of them. The show. I haven't played it in a long time. But you see my point, though. Is going to be the same pitch? But mechanic? it's the same series, which is what I said. If you're doing a different series, it should feel like but a how, different game. But how much different can you do the mechanics of an open world game at this point between all of them? I mean, you get items... You have inventory. You talk to people. You All get, right, then we'll just let get, everything stagnate get, forever. I'm just saying, like, 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 what did you want them to do different in Breath of the Wild in terms? Because that's similar. Breath of the Wild was very different than previous Zeldas. But you're, okay, you're saying. I mean, but it's, but, it's also different than most open world games. It, 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 they they uh, all have their different feeling. What I'm saying is, is this looks like it's going to feel just like Skyrim. I think. Okay. All right. I, I mean. All right. I'm not, I'm not saying that everything right. has to change wildly each time, but it would be nice if different series felt like different games. I mean, once you establish what works, I think you stick. I mean, you try to, it's kind of hard to reinvent the wheel with like a giant, was it six games in that Elder Scrolls series? It's six? They're doing the six or well, seven. I'm saying, one. again, you don't have to reinvent that. Starfield is not an Elder Scrolls game. Make it feel different. Okay, we'll see when it comes out. I think I think being in space and shooting up things and little space buggies. And- I'm going to get it. And I hope it's different, but I mean, it looks like they're leaning on past. Successes. I mean, I, I said it before; it's my dream game. Sure, because it didn't happen with Star Citizen. That that never came in fully developed. It's like a half baked game still. That's my dream game. Th- th- this these right. are the games I'm afraid to play. I, I still have to play Red, like Red Dead a, a, a appeals to me more than regular GTA. I love like the Wild West theme and being on horses and it appeals to me more. You know, but having I, trains and shit. I love that. Versus, oh, just fly around in a helicopter and crash into things. I mean, that's fun, too. I'm not going to deny it. I love the GTA games. But uh, all right, anything, anything else in this article here? It's, it's, a, it's a good It's not that long of an article, which is nice. Um, it, it's really clickbaity. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, we kind of agree on some of the points. We disagree on others. And we have a... Patreon, patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go, you, you look at what we have uh, on offer and you go, hey, I like these guys. I can give them a little money. Give us a little money. I, I like these guys. I can give them money. I can give them a little money. Or it's the same at Chippendales. Uh, and then you can get the full video podcast. Weekly writing from Ian. You get weekly writing. You, you get, get, get bonus a, content. Bo- 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 I need a bonus button. Uh, 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 hangouts. Once a month if you want. Which we did last week. And you get access to these poll questions. And now we have a tier for the, we have the enamel pin club. That's right. So you can get an enamel pin mailed to you in a tier, plus all the rewards before. A new tier. Check it out. And if you're on the higher tier, tier than, the, than the pin club, you go on your Patreon, you fill in your address, and Pat will mail you one of the nice enamel pins right there. So let, let's run down the poll. You, let's, you do the poll topic. You do, the, you do it, Ian. Uh, so it is... Just how bad was Pat's last day job? Jesus Christ, Ian. How long have we been doing the podcast you didn't know how to run this down? In second place, Ian... Uh, 19% for how is gaming on the NJ boardwalk different in 2022. And then just how bad was Pat's last day job? A uh, 10 year anniversary, 81 percentage points. Aren't you curious, Ian? And this comes on the heels. I put out a video yesterday, Monday. Uh, I didn't think about it. I think, I think I realized it last week, Ian, that I quit my day job, my awful healthcare market research job. I quit it 10 years ago. I think it was like the first end of the first week, start of the second week in July. And I, I should have had, I think at one point I might have remembered it um, as an anniversary date. 
And it was weird because when I, was, when I got to five years away, I thought it was a long time. Five years away was before I moved here, but I was looking for a house. Now it's 10 years. 10 years sometimes feels quick, but then if you put it in like comparison to something else, you realize that it's a long time. Yeah. So the video I put out, uh, check it out on my good old YouTube channel. We get a chance. 30 minutes of me rambling. Uh, one take because I can do it. Uh, talking about how my, my, how my life has changed the past 10 years. What I've done. Starting the podcast with Ian. The books. Video game years. Working working uh, with retroware. Going to conventions. Yada, yada, yada. But I didn't get into the details of my job. And why I quit, quit and what I went through. Ian knows a little bit of it. But, but not everything. So you, you're curious about you know, what I did and, you know, my move and everything and how, how it sort of evolved. I all. mean, I've heard most of this stuff, but I'm sure uh, they are very curious. Can about... you pretend, Ian, that yeah, you I haven't mean, I, asked? I, I, I've heard. <laughs> I mean... Ian, you're breaking the fourth wall, Ian. <laughs> Pat, I've known you for how long? Oh I know God. these things. People don't think I don't Ian, know Ian, this these is things. show business. People don't think I don't know. This is show business. You don't know um, everything. You know most of it. But yes, uh, of course. I mean, okay. it's an interesting story, especially the decision to, to, to walk away from it. But about the job specifically. So, so I was a, I was a, a supervisor. Um, Supervisory for, Sam. So like the, the lowest you can be for like management, like the lowest you could, you could be. And I, um, I led a team of God at the, at the high, height five or six. And this was work from was, home for the second half. No, this was in Jersey before I moved. Okay. But it was, was, you did do work from home out here for a while. You did. See, he thinks he knows everything. He doesn't. Uh, yes. So I was, I was a manager. Was right. No, I, I said I was a the manager there. Half. Yeah. So I started the job in 2006. Um, it was my third corporate job. I, I came from consumer market research for that. And then that was, that was bad too. Um, and then I, market research sucks in general. Um, and then I went to the healthcare side. Um, what I did was I managed people. Uh, who deployed internet surveys to healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, uh, healthcare practitioners, uh, nurses assistants, things like that, uh, physician assistants, a lot of PA work. And yeah, there was some medical stuff. Yeah. So that's what we did. A lot of it was Salesforce effectiveness. I hate to say it, this is why it was a bad uh, Salesforce effectiveness. What does that mean, Ian? Uh, it means the effectiveness of the message from the pharma sales rep when they talk to doctors to peddle their drugs. Right. Basically, ask the doctors, well, what did, that, what did our rep talk to you about the past month? What do you remember the message being? How, basically, how effective were they doing? Yeah, how effective is your advertising? Uh, basically. Or our advertising. And there's a ton of money in that. Obviously. Oh, yeah, tons. Uh, so, yeah. so I'm not saying none of the work, none of the clients we worked for were altruistic. Some were, uh, uh, were uh, medical tools and surgical tools and things like that. But the vast majority is literally uh, SFE, Salesforce Effectiveness. That's what it was. Uh, so you're working for big pharma companies in Jersey, tons of pharmaceutical companies in New Jersey, uh, lots. Uh, and, like and, headquarters? And yes, that's where their headquarters are. So like GlaxoSmithKline and uh, Bristol Myers Squibb, uh, J&J, I think, is, is involved in some of it, I think. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's like a Merck. Merck is gigantic. They're all right. Jersey or like Eastern Pennsylvania. They're all headquartered there. Um, so... Um, and then even like the, the, the eye care ones like Vistacon and things like that. I think they're all they're mostly over there um, for like contact lenses. So that's what I did. And I also project managed myself. So I basically did two jobs in one, really one and a half. Um, so it started OK. It started where, oh, this is I'm not being overworked to death. Yeah, I'll put in a 45 hour work week every now and then. That's highly stressful or, or like a 50. But it's OK. It's not every week. It's like once every eight or nine or 10 weeks and it's fine. 
Um, the, the the problem was is this is and this is going to be uh, both me explaining things about what I did and also warnings about how not to work. The problem is, is I work too hard. This and, and I was plucky, young Pat. And I'm not saying to be a lazy worker. What I'm warning against is do not go out of your way to do things for a company that isn't in your job description expecting some sort of reward or recognition. Do and, what's asked of your job description. Yes. But you do not have to go out of your way to bend over and please corporate masters. Yes. And I'm not saying you, you, there aren't jobs out there or, or corporations you work for that will reward someone like that. Sure. My job did not. While on my job, I, I trained. I was managing and training new employees. I'm always, I was always good at training and getting people up to speed, uh, new employees and things like that. I created <laughs> – it's so fucking stupid because they probably still use it uh, today. I created like a 75 to 90 page manual step by step about how to train an employee, basically going through the entire process of running a project. I mean, like intensive, uh, like well detailed using the software, uh, using so training, training materials. Uh, yeah, that didn't exist before. I sure. created it um, for the company and I wasn't asked to. I did it because I figured, well, this is smart to do this because I'm going to be training employees and other people will. And it's going to be to the benefit of the company that we have this all laid down. I mean, it was smart uh, to do it. It absolutely. It absolutely was smart, except like I got nothing for that. Yeah, there was no recognition. Um, no recognition. And besides that, I went out of my way to obviously help out and pitched in and eventually got to the point where I was so efficient. Obviously, what I was doing, I was I was doing the work of at least one and a half employees. Um, I'm sure sometimes two. by the time I got to the end, I was doing two employees work, which I'll get to. And obviously my salary wasn't commensurate. Um, I wasn't paid uh, a little, but I wasn't paid what I was doing. Well, that's fine. A lot of people don't get paid, unfortunately, what, what they think they're worth. The issue was, uh, though, that it was the lack, the lack of respect, uh, from my boss. Her name was Terry. Terry, if you're out there, mm. Not Terry. Good, not good things to, to say about you, Terry. Terry. Terry was the perfect middle manager who had no idea what you did day to day, could not do any of the steps of the process of what you did. You could t try to tell you what to do. The worst type of manager is the person that has no idea what you do or how you do it. And that was Terry. So they just tell you how to do things, but they couldn't well, they couldn't step in and do shit if they needed to. They would give you words of encouragement, oh, or you need to do this, or this is our deadline. And it's like, you don't know what's on my plate. I'm running, I ran on, I ran on average between five and eight projects at the same time. Sure. Uh, from front to back with that. And so it was one of those things where, like, you kind of knew about it, but it was the first time I experienced it that close up, where, like, my main boss... Because my job before that, the boss is kind of knew what we're doing. She, she had no idea. The person that eventually became my boss, uh, Chris, um, he knew what I did and eventually got into a like almost a like a kind of a kind of partial boss position. And it was great because Chris was fantastic. And I love Chris. If, if you're out there, probably the best boss I've had. Very understanding. Didn't push you too hard, um, but kept you kept you accountable. The, the perfect boss, Chris. And, and Chris left the company, I believe, after I left as well. Uh, Places so, like that don't hold on to good employees. They can't, unfortunately, because because when you have a toxic culture, uh, the toxic culture pushes those people away. Where, where it's just like not well, just you, you can't ever uh, pay those people what they're worth. Not, not just that, but it, it goes sort of uh, you butt heads against the people that are there to pick up a paycheck that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Uh, like Terry. 
and 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 Terry was a chain smoker. Terry, she would take uh, smoke breaks. I, I I'm, I'm serious because my I had a I had a I was in a managerial position in Jersey. I'll never forget this, Terry. Fuck you for this. This was demeaning, and this is a power play, and there was no reason to do this. We had a lot of empty offices, uh, window offices. I I had the coveted corner cubicle because no one behind me. Um, the fucking air duct right above me that blew on me constantly, and I got sick from, from, from it. I don't think I ever told you that. I was like constantly uh, sniffling. I would have loved that, but that's uh, not getting for you. Mike, microbes and bacteria and viruses on you, um, and I complained about it, and so they finally... I had to get a... Instead of them doing something like redirecting it, I had to get a fucking piece of cardboard, stick it above me to redirect the air. I just remembered that. I had to literally do that because it was coming around right on my head. Anyway, Jesus. Terry's office was Christ. was to my left. She had the corner office. I had the corner cube. You want to say that? Um, and then, but I was in a, a managerial position. I held meetings, and um, there was always offices available. There was like six to eight offices uh, from between our two offices where you'd have people visit from uh, from North Jersey. And I asked Terry. I'd go working there sometimes. I said, I, I said, Terry, can I have a permanent office? here like i think it makes sense i you know it would be nice they're not being used That's right. they, they weren't being used fucking used and she refused total power play dick move that at that point i'm like yeah no she, she's that sort of person um so i would just start going in the office and using it. I, was, I was just use it and someone says sure. something because it's private it's nice you can close the door um and so it, it was bad and then there was then there was the sexual harassment that happened it mildly happened that I told you it, it happened a little bit at uh, Suncoast Motion Picture Company. Yeah, it definitely happened here. And again, uh, sexual harassment isn't always about someone being attracted to someone; it's about power. Oh, uh, it absolutely well, is the same way with sexual assault. A lot of times, it's just power play. It has nothing to do with like sort of like the sexual proclivities. Things it's like that. one. It's almost one hundred percent. Just like they say. Um, Rape is not about sex. Sexual harassment is oftentimes not about sex either. Mm-hmm. They're both they're both power moves yeah. to make the other person feel scared and diminished. Yes. So this is why again I'm still in Jersey. Um in my corner office. I should have went to HR, but it was like, well, this isn't too bad. I knew it was inappropriate. I should have went. Because it happened more than once. Where always got to report to HR. Yeah, who knows if they would have been retaliatory, but the way I thought at the time, I, I, you know, when I was in my, no. I was in my late 20s, though, I was, I was a lot more unbalanced and unhinged. I would have got a lawyer. Lots um, of people don't go to HR uh, specifically because they think it's going to be retaliatory. So I got the old come up behind me and start massaging me thing happen to me, start to happen to me. Mm. So how's it going? How are we doing here? Is this Terry? This is Terry still. And I, I don't think she was attracted to me. So I was like, that was weird. And I was just like, this is weird. I was working a little later, but it happened more than once. And it was weird. And it was totally a power play thing. Sure. And it was disgusting. Yeah. Um, and that happened to me. And it's not something That's I looked awful. I don't feel like I wasn't like totally violating it, but obviously it wasn't right. And then I don't know if you did to someone else. So it was it was weird. Um, so basically, uh, I, I worked there for a few years and I, I wanted to move out here. We know the story. Um, and so I took a title demotion, but then uh, they kept my same salary, which was a, was a, a net positive for for moving to a better location. Yeah. But cost of living is ho- a little bit higher in San Diego than, than Jersey. Jersey is not cheap, but it's, you know, uh, San Diego is higher. Uh, so California in general. Yeah. San Diego's top 10 in the U.S., usually nine or 10. 
um, for might be higher now. Who knows? So that moved out. So instead of instead of uh, to, to justify them giving me the same salary but not managing, they threw more work at me. Projects I was already doing a full project manager's job load on top sure. of the manager responsibility. I was then quickly doing the work between one and a half and two people and doing it efficiently. And that's the problem. Again, problem. When you work at most jobs, when you're efficient and good at your job, you're rewarded with more work, not more money, not a better position. They throw more work at you to see what, what your breaking point is, even though the other people are doing less work than you and have the same position or a similar position. I was doing more work than, than all the other project managers. I knew it. Um, but I was sort of like, well, I'm working from home, whatever. Problem is my, my, my health took a turn for the worse. Ian saw it. Um, your expression, I looked gray. A yes, he looked gray. I looked, I was just totally burnt out. Um, I never, uh, I took, I took a vacation every now and then, but not what I should. I was not using, I got three weeks uh, pay vacation. I never took three weeks. I took like seven days a, a year, but I, but I banked them. I almost never took sick days. I should have took sick days since those were separate and not bankable. I uh, should have took more. I should have took a sick day every other every other fucking uh, week or month. I think I got ten a year for sick days. I should have took those. Um, yeah, use your personal days. You use your sick days. You well, said. sick days, yeah, because because those are too. those are un- unpaid. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean those are I mean, those, those will count against you. Like like the paid ones, you know, right? Because they don't those. bank. Yeah, they don't bank. So um, so it went along, and then the the issue was, which happens with other companies sometimes. Where it didn't start like this, where when someone left the company, whether they got a better position elsewhere or they quit or fired, they stopped, they stopped replacing people. Yeah. So a team of seven or eight or nine people that I start with now is a team of five or six. And that's how you know it's a gross, bad corporation to work for because they see that people leave. They see that everyone else can struggle and get it done. Oh, and, they well, look at their, and they look at their bottom line and they go, well, we're making more money now. So uh, why would we do that? Yeah. Pat's doing five or six projects. Now he can do eight instead of six at the same time. That's, that's how they think. Uh, unfortunately. Um, so that was, so that was, that became bad. Um, dealing with the employees, dealing with uh, co- co-workers. I was very good at playing the game, but I hated it. It ate away at my soul, putting on the happy face of people that could be like, trying to undercut you the next day or speaking behind your back or try to get you into trouble for a project thing that wasn't your fault at all. Uh, that was something you had to live with because you had to work with the salespeople and the salespeople don't give a shit about you for the most part. Some were good, but most just want the bottom line. They want their commission. They want a deadline. The client says they want to stick to it. They don't even care what it takes to get there. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I worked with, a, I worked hand in hand with salespeople all the time that, that interface with the, with our, with our huge with clients. clients. So um, you had to deal with that. And then it's, it's interesting when you think about working in, in an office that it's, it's, it's true. You see these people more than your family and friends. You're 40 hours a week with these people. Oh, yeah. And it, it, you have to force yourself to like these people and then, and then go out to lunch. I'm not saying they weren't nice people, but they were definitely like you're forcing yourself. I'll put it this way. Am I speaking to anyone I used to work with? Oh. I'm speaking to one person. Oh, impressive. My was- friend Tommy. Oh, that's right. I forgot you said one Tommy. person. Yeah, that I still I say I'm friends with and still speak to fairly regularly. Uh, and then there's a couple people I think about that I'll catch up with every every few years maybe, and that's it. Uh, these are people you go out to lunch with and you spend time with. And then it was weird because their their personal life would bleed into yours sometimes because they tell you about their problems while at lunch. And I feel like saying this is inappropriate. I'll never forget this. And God, if someone's listening that works with me, I, I hate calling this out. It was the three of us, three guys. We go out to lunch like maybe once a week. We go out to a diner. We loved Indian food. Sure. 
Never forget, this, never forget this as long as I live, Ian. I think I've never told you this story. Uh, and this was a nice, nice guy, not nice, your average, your average white male, you know, nice, nice dude, probably like 38, 39, you know, wife and a couple of kids probably. We're out at lunch. Uh, and me, it was uh, me, uh, the second person who was probably in his like mid to late 40s with the family, and, and me, I'm 27, you know. Um, all of a sudden, uh, the, the the guy goes, "So, uh, does your uh, your your wife and girlfriends uh, do they do they do they uh, do that oral sex thing?" <laughs> and me and the second guy look at us like, uh, "Yeah, that happens when you're with someone. Mm-hmm. Why do you ask?" Oh uh, yeah, my my wife uh, doesn't like doing that. She says it's against God's will, so we don't do that. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, do you think that's not normal? And we're looking at you like, what the fuck did we just? I just want to eat my my chicken uh, t- tandoori, right? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I is don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about this at lunch. Um, and so <laughs> it it was interesting to have to deal with stuff like that and try to. Be friendly with people that, like, you have no choice. You can't put up total walls because you're with these people and you have to work with them. Yeah. You have to work with these people. But it just ate away at my soul. It just ate away the soul. I wear my heart my sleeve a lot of times, but so you had to do a lot of acting. You had to pretend to like all these people that you couldn't fucking right. stand. of course. Again, not everyone. There's, like, a handful of people at each office that I, I adored and liked. Uh, Christina at the one office, I still like you. I'll probably reach out. I have your number still and talk to you. Uh, but it was bad. Uh, then there's the other thing that happened that um, was this interesting aside that um, there was a contingency that thought I was gay. And this is why this is why I was deathly afraid of being accused of sexual harassment so far that I not only never like hit on a woman, mm-hmm. I never even approached, even got to that point where I was totally neutral, like sort of like asexual, you could say, sure. in the office. Which is not healthy, by the way. You got to have some. Uh, we're humans. We have, to have some leeway here. But there, there were, there was a woman from the other office that was attractive, and we did go out for like uh, drinks as a group. That asked around if I was gay because I never hit on her, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. That's weird. <laughs> and then, and then I will throw you under the bus, Chris. Uh, the, the Chris that I did like, mm-hmm. who was gay, by mm-hmm. the way. He he wasn't sure if I was gay. So he called my friend Tommy, who is gay, and Tommy knew I wasn't gay, and he said, hey, Tommy, yeah, just wondering, is, is, is Pat gay? And Tommy had the best response, said, I don't know, Chris, let me get out my, my, my gay uh, phone book and look him up to see. And so he kept it a total mystery, even though he knew. So it was just a fun <laughs> thing. It probably didn't help that I also wear, uh, probably out of fashion, I wore like re- really those tight, stretchy shirts. Mm-hmm. And I did like baking brownies for all the women in the office. I brought it. I did cook and bring in cakes and brownies. I'm not saying you're, you're heterosexual. You don't do that. But probably in that office environment, probably I was the only guy doing that. I like to cook. And I didn't I didn't want to eat all the brownies myself, Ian. That's all. Good so, brownies. So you're saying, what was the breaking point? Do you remember what the breaking point was where I told you I got to get out? Do you remember the fall of 2011? What happens to me? Yes, vaguely. You remember? Tell me. Okay. I had my surgeries done. Uh, yeah. So I had three touch-up surgeries yes. done uh, at the same time. This was all t- t- at the same time. Who does three surgeries at once? A, f- a fucking crazy person. A, a person <laughs> um, who's trying to do way too fucking a, a, much. A person that cares way too much about the company. And this is another warning. Never be loyal to a company. 
You can be loyal to people you like you work with, to individuals, not to a company. And I, I correct. I, 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 and I, and at that point, they were too intertwined with me. So I said, I'll have three servers at once because I'll be out less time. And that'll be good for the rest. The team was already hurting. We were down employees that weren't rehired to help. So I had a surgery on my finger because uh, I broke it in college. They had to clean up some crap in there. It's still not 100%. My toe that was broken since I was a child, I had issues with. And the worst one was my knee. They had to clean up all the shit in my knee from my ACL surgery. Yeah, I remember that. I my remember knee you was that was really, really bad. It was, it, I'd, I'd be able to run, but it'd be inflamed. Right. So I had three surgeries at once done by, by uh, the doctor. And I scheduled only a week off for that. Only a week. I re- um, Yeah, I definitely recall that. Because I'm fucking crazy. And then I remember I was in so much pain still uh, after the week. I had to say, I, I, can't, I can't come back this week. Yeah, I need a second this. week. And I had t- I'd never taken sick days, like one sick day or two. I never took off multiple days. Never did that. Never. Um, the, the other... Uh, manager in my position at the other office because we, we share jobs between offices. Uh, I found out she started talking trash about me. Yeah. Joanne, fuck you. Joanne. You old bag. Fuck you, Joanne. I was always nice to you, and then this is what I got for it. She thought I was faking. She thought I was milking three surgeries. How dare I be out for two weeks for 10 business days? How dare I doing three surgeries at once? Once that got back to me from a reliable yeah. sources, she said this on a fucking call. Yeah. She said this on a, on, a, on, a, on a meeting call. She said this. Once this got back to me, um, it was the beginning of the end. It should have hit me sooner. I went to HR. I said, that does not play. I heard, I heard her, her say this stuff. And so that was the beginning of the fucking end. I said, I need to get out. This is the way I'm being treated, not just by the company, but by my fellow workers who I'm yeah. trying to look out for. This is the fucking end. Of and the you line. said she was a manager. She was in my the same position I had before I moved. And they gave me that. Uh, right, title that OK, gotcha. Um, and so I'd work with her and we managed. We basically managed different teams, different locations. Got it. And so at that point, I'm like, fuck this place. And I don't think anything was done about when that happened. Um, so fast forward to the next May. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, being an asshole is not actionable. Uh, but that's a shitty thing to say about someone. It's, surge- it's I, absolutely I, shitty to uh, say. I'm just saying, like, there's. You think I'm fucking faking? Uh, no, it's uh, milking injuries. Holy shit! Um, anyway, so um, the next May, I decide I was I, I was at my breaking point. You, Ian saw my bad health. Um, I wasn't taking lunch breaks. I was working uh, crunchy. Like I said, I said on, on the video I came out with, it's not just the fact that, hey, you might do a 45-hour work week. There's stressful hours. Right. There's a difference between a 40-hour work week and a stressful 40-hour work week. High tension. If you fuck up, it's your ass. Client-driven stuff, awful. I finally went to HR. I called them up. I said, I'm miserable. I was honest. I said, I'm not sure. I said, I'm miserable. I feel, feel respected. Um, I'm overworked. That shit that happened in the fall uh, that jo- that Joanne said, that doesn't fly. I-, I said, I'm not quitting. I said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to still do my job. I'm going to do it competently. But I'll be working, looking for a new job, and that's it. And I'm going to be working. I'll be clocking in and out. And don't expect anything more than what the average worker would do. That's what I said. Yeah. And the HR person, their credit, said, I, I appreciate it, your honesty. 
I'll get back to you. The HR person in Jersey, she liked me. She was actually fairly nice. She used to cry to me sometimes because she had to fire people. I, li- I literally had to like talk to her. I'd be like, I feel like saying, well, you shouldn't have this job. But I mean, like that happened in both locations, actually. I, I don't I, I don't think empathetic people can remain in an HR it's hard. position for long I, because they're not your friends. They are they are hey, cover. They are cover for corporations. Fuck you, Terry. Another story. Fuck you, Terry. Terry, you fired people. I was I was responsible for helping hire people. Uh, making those decisions i was never responsible for firing people fuck you terry you fired someone you made me go to the hr and sit in with it as their manager said to you you should have had the fucking balls uh to the wrong parts to sit in that meeting if you fire the person terry you should have to sit in with hr not me yeah not me i just sit in with people being fired then afterwards the hr person starts fucking crying and i gotta console them i forgot about that fuck you terry anyway so so that was the last straw last straw and then um, I also had a new manager that came from the consumer side from a merger, and she didn't respect me at, at all. And it's, I felt like saying, you're from the consumer side. You're managing me. Consumer market research is totally different than healthcare. Uh, you don't know my fucking job. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know the like the steps involved. You don't know the job of, of, of what I do. Um, so she didn't like me, too. So I think, that she, I think my HR person had a conversa- conversation with them, and then they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have you uh, work out. Uh, the next week be your last week to offload. They said, uh, we're not going to stop you from getting unemployment insurance. That's all I've said. I said, I said, I said, I want this in writing. I said, yes, I said, I want this, um, because they can try to block it. Uh, if, if they say I quit, I said, I'm not quitting. They said, no, we're going to come to terms. So they came to, we came to terms, uh, for me to leave. And then, so I was paid, I think I was paid an extra week for like a two weeks notice. They gave me an extra week. And then I got obviously my paid time off. So I got paid like six extra weeks uh, on top of that. And I was done. I was out. And um, not many calls or emails saying, hey, we're going to miss you. That's the way it is in the corporate world. Once you're gone, out of sight, out of mind, oh, yeah, no persona, persona non grata. There's a, there's a couple of people. But, like, but for the most part, though, we don't care. You're gone. And it's weird how that infects the corporate world where like you lose your humanity to, humanity to the point where like you can just block someone like that, but it's like it's like you're gone. It's it's like cutting off a member of your family. You don't matter anymore. You literally don't matter. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Um. So it took me even with tests. It took me several months to recover from the stress and from the unwinding of all that shit. Oh yeah, built up in me. I was uh. I did like the NES Punk stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I did one a month for the rest of the year. I remember I did that. I did like Commando. I did Schoon. I did the Sega Master System. Uh, not Sega. The Car Wars Christmas stuff. I did. I did all that stuff that year. I did track. Yeah, you did quite a bit. I did the track and field yep. one right away. Yep. Uh, but it took a while for me to get my bearings and to come back to who I was, if that makes sense. So there you go. You get any questions about it? anything else? Other, anything else that happened there? Uh, that was most of the highlights. But it was. Uh, it it was funny because it did not start off as the worst job. It 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 turned into it. As, yeah. as, a, as a corporation starts to see you, sees what you'll yeah. do, realizes that there's someone that they can take advantage oh, of, yeah. uh, they'll just keep – and it, 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 it sometimes it is. It's like a straw at a time, but they will just keep beating, building up the pressure until you, you, break, you break. And yeah. they expect I, – I think there's an expectation that you'll break and leave and they'll hire someone else in like that. I, I've seen a lot of people who have done corporate jobs for a while – and I, I feel like it's almost like beating the system because you're not you're not meant to put in in, in that sort of environment. You just can't sustain yourself I, and take I, care of yourself. I mean, I could have if I slacked off. Well, sure. If I honestly worked 
what I thought what I the average worker should be doing. But then they would have put me up. They would have said, well, you perform better for it. We're going to do performance reviews. I could have milked that out and not be scared. That probably would have been the way to go. Honestly, I would have said, I'm going to work on what the average person works on, and that's it. Well, and personally, and then, for me, I I just I can't take it easy. Like that stress of not getting. I, so many people are like, whatever, it's work. But like for me, that stress of not getting something done, yes, will always keep you working harder for certain. But well, that's for certain people. But that's bad. Yes, it is because it's unhealthy. And then if you're like I said, you're not getting compensated for it. I, and I didn't get even raises the past few years. Um, like so that stopped too. I think it stopped across the company, but like it was nuts. Uh, it, this was what would have happened if I did the average amount of work. They would put me on performance plans. I would have said, "Oh yeah, I'll do better," and not. And I think it would have been status quo for a while, right? Until they got sick of me, just because I what they would have spited themselves. Sure, companies will spite themselves. This company should have let me stay on from a, from a totally objective standpoint. After I said I was miserable, they would have said, "Okay, if, the, if he's going to still perform to a decent expectations, he's he's still still better than an average worker. He should do it." But they don't want potential troublemakers around uh, like that. No, once someone gets uh, unhappy, they... They want you out. That's what happens. I was, I was shocked it was that quickly. It was like within the day, Ian, from the phone call. Within, I think it was that after... It was like 10 a.m., I'm miserable, and here, here's what's going to happen, as I said to them. I think it was that afternoon, like three hours later. They probably had a couple meetings. What Can we, can we offload Pat's work? And yep. then it was out the door. That's it. They don't want that to spread. Yeah. I mean, I worked from home at that point, so it's like, well, we don't have to have an awkward thing. Because I've been in mass firings as well. The company had two mass firings while I was there, too, where they Ooh. literally put 20 people in a, in a conference room. And we're like, you're all gone. Room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's happened. Oh, no, they do the opposite. They do the people that aren't fired. I forget what happened. This happened twice in the, in the, in the, the one office. They, they, they get everyone away who's not fired so they can clear out their desk so everyone doesn't see it. I forget. It's fucking, it, it's fucking awful either way. It's like inhumane. I understand if you have to let people go, but mass firings are never, never pretty. No, uh, to do that. But yeah, that, that's that's my story there. All right. And as as and as stressful as my current job ever gets, or as I say, you know, uh, I'm suffering. You can hear some of the stuff that happens. It's still better than that. No, of course, it's still better than that. Nothing like working on your own time. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low sugar, keto friendly bars, which are plant based, gluten free, and non GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack keto granola bars and nut and seed bars contain one gram of sugar or less. Two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains 150 calories or less. Monk Pack have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, and caramel sea salt. My favorite is easy the coconut cocoa chip. I love anything cocoa and coconut. These are really like chewy and satisfying, like the granola bars you remember from your youth. Sure, I enjoy the nut and sea bar. Speaking of coconut, they have the coconut almond dark chocolate is delicious, but my absolute favorite is the peanut butter dark chocolate and they're good for snacks or for a dessert you don't feel guilty eating these they're delicious you can shop online and you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have monk pack delivered right to your door these bars are not just for people eating keto they are a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying delicious flavorful snacks these make a great midnight snack i usually wake up at like midnight or one i don't feel so bad about having one of these in the middle of the night they contain real ingredients that are delicious and nutritious for your whole family and in addition to being keto friendly the bars are also gluten-free plant-based and non-gmo there's no sugar alcohols soy or artificial flavors get 20 percent off your first purchase of any monk 
Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code CUPODCAST at checkout or just click the link in the description down below to get 20% off. Monk Pack is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange your product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So go get some yummy, healthy bars. Go to monkpack.com and use our code CUPODCAST to get 20% off or click the link in the description below. Uh, we have voicemails, Ian. We do. You go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You go, you leave us a voicemail, you keep it short and sweet, and I will love you, love you forever. I will, will I love you forever for doing that? I'll, I'll like you. There's the first I'll one. I'll like you for a while. Forever. Hey, guys. Andrew from Quebec, Canada here. Have you guys ever read the Nintendo Power comics, the Mario and the Zelda one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then the Star Fox one, that was the Nintendo Power issues. I believe they, they compiled them and did a maybe a trade paperback. There are trades. Vani's yeah. got them. I've never uh, read them before, but um, no, she, they definitely I, made trades of them. I, when my father forced me to throw out my issues, before I did that, I, I, I would cut them out. I still have the cutout ones. It's kind of sad. Uh, I have just the cutout. Oh, sure. I, I remember really enjoying the Mario one a lot for the humor yeah and how weird it was no vonnie really likes them and i've i've meant to read them i just never have gotten around to it and there's a link to the past one i did the star fox one all in like the early 90s they did that one Pat, ian this is matt from rochester new york again uh gonna be serious here for a minute um just want to give a another shout out uh to andrew in ukraine uh, i know we haven't heard from him in a while uh, andrew i hope things are going okay over there we I know it's still a dangerous situation, but we haven't had as many updates, you know, with everything going on in the country right now. But um, hope again, hope everything's okay. We hope to hear from you soon. Thanks, guys. See ya. Well, I mean, it's still a war. Um, yeah, it's it's now mostly what the eastern part of it. It's getting bogged down, and uh, yeah, I don't. This thing, this from what I've read, it could last years. This is gonna. This is not potentially gonna be a. a conclusion that's going to come quick right no it's going to last a long long time but hopefully andrew's okay hey pat and ian it's noah from jeffersonville ohio and i was just wondering i was thinking about it what if they did a vetrex mini console now you could have like a little just like pretty much the same size just obviously a little lighter have a better uh joystick and buttons feel a little bit better and they can have like the options for overlays, all the games on the console. Would you think they'd have to do a really low run of them because the Vetrex is such a niche kind of thing? Or do you think that would work? How would you think they should do it? Thanks, um, guys. Love the podcast. I, oh, God. It'd have to be a handheld, right? If it's a handheld, it has a could you do a handheld with a built-in vector screen easily? Like, Well, no, you uh, couldn't do anything with a built-in uh, vector screen easily. You would emulate and then, I would say, apply the overlays in uh, in, in software. In and software. I, and I think They've done that in emulators on computers, yeah, yeah. And I think it could be, you know, fun enough. But, right, I, I, I think mini consoles in general are just less popular than they were. And, no, I don't think there's a big enough market for it to, you know, the thing is produce the, it. The form factor is all wrong. For a minute, I mean, because you have. Well, it's, no, it's, look at all the mini arcade cabinets that they've done. You could do it very similar to that. You could do it similar to the mini Astro yeah, City okay. or Kaido Egret too. You yeah. could so you could totally do the form factor. It was just it would just be. It'd be would anyone buy it? Yeah, it'd be, it would be awkward. I think um, those controllers suck. 
the joysticks on those are terrible. People don't talk about that. How the, the Vectrex joysticks? I mean, we love the Vectrex. It, it did. It was one of a kind. Uh, but the, the controllers were stinky. Yeah. Uh, the spring on, on the little metal thing there was wasn't even plastic on top of that, and the buttons got were were like squishy. The and the four button layout was not does not does not work. They didn't. They weren't smart enough to do a two and two. They did right. four. Yeah, four. They did. They did the Neo Geo almost layout. Back right. Seven years before it existed. Six, seven years. No, I, I'd be down for it. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Farron McKenzie from Inverness in Scotland. Hey. And I really wanted to ask you guys if you've got any all-time favorite arcade machines that you like to play, if you guys still enjoy visiting the arcade, and what you think the future of arcades is in general. Okay, guys, keep up the good work. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I own I own uh, my all-time favorite ones, Ro- uh, Rolling Thunder. Uh, Ian owns an arcade machine with Final Fight on and other boards. Yep. Um, um I mean, all-time favorites, probably Star Wars Arcade and Centipede, two Atari games. I don't ever talk about Atari, but they're both ones that are really hard to recreate properly anywhere else, so those would probably be my favorite machines. Get the arcade one-up one with the yoke. And then then in terms of uh, the future of arcades, honestly, I think it's uh, maybe not like blisteringly bright, but it's certainly better than it was maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, it's Barcades. That's that's kept arcades alive, and that's why machines that used to be worth $300 are now worth two grand. Yeah, from exactly. arcades because they're not making any more new Simpsons arcades out there, you know. They're they're stuck in some some people's private collections in a warehouse somewhere, but they're not pumping them out. Besides the arcade one up ones, but no respectable arcade would use those, would they? Who knows? Uh, next one. Hey guys, this is Jamie from Toledo here once again. Two questions for you. The uh, first one, Pat, since what? Frank has no online presence outside of your YouTube channel. How does he feel about having online fans? And how does he react meeting them in public? Uh, second question. When did you guys become untalented, jealous gatekeepings? Oh. Thank you, guys. Love the podcast. Uh, well, I guess that's when we reported the truth about a failed console. <laughs> that's when it started happening. Uh, Frank, what does Frank think? I think he's flattered, but Frank is a minor egomaniac, but he also likes the attention. So, like, he gets recognized in public a lot, which he's revealed more and more while he's working because he stands out. I don't get recognized in public, uh, really. I, I do, but it's, like, it's rare. It sounds like it happens to Frank more regularly. I used uh, to all the time, but, like, I would say probably around the time we were talking about the chameleon. And since then, it's, you know, tapered off. Outside, of, obviously, people recognize you that came into the store. but Oh, yeah, yeah. the store and stuff like that. But, but like, in outside general, in public. Like, going to a restaurant, things like that. Although the... Uh, Brian, the bartender at uh, uh, Arrow Club, knows both of us. Someone took a picture of me at, uh, when I went to Seaside Heights a few weeks ago. Someone recognized me at Casino Pier. Mm. They're like, "Hey, are you are you Pat?" I'm like, "Yeah." So that was that was interesting. And then they're probably wondering what the hell you're doing here. I'm like, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm visiting Pennsylvania. I'm here with my sister." Um, what was the other thing? Other question about oh conventions? Yeah, Frank was great. He he was bubbly with everyone. Uh, he's been to a couple of two or three SoCal uh, retro gaming expos. Frank was always good. Frank was always good. He just didn't like the time off. He didn't like the time commitment to go to the convention. Sure. That was always a thing. Getting him, he had to take off a Friday. He's like, I do a Friday. He'd enjoy two hours yeah. of it. And then... Frank doesn't like traveling. Sure. He doesn't like getting cars and going places. Like That's probably what, what it comes down to. If it was like a mile away, he would have no problem with it. That's, that's the thing. Right. Next. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Max calling from Edison, New Jersey. Look! It was a pleasure meeting you at Too Many Games, and your Q&A was a ton of fun. Thanks, Max. I look forward to seeing you and hopefully Ian at a future convention. Uh, my question is about the graded VHS tape, since it's still somewhat fresh. 
Um, we know that graded media just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because it takes away its intended purpose. But do you feel like graded VHS tapes make at least a little bit of sense, almost as much sense as graded sports cards? Um, no. With a, this is why. With a sports card, you can see everything. Uh, I thought more and more about it and how easy it's going to be to counterfeit sealed VHS tapes. I had a conversation with someone who's actually a collector about it. They didn't really didn't seal those well to begin with. They were for they were for rental stores, remember, for the first yeah. several years. Right. Maybe ten years of VHS life. Those weren't like probably like high end sealing things like you see like the with like the H C on an NES game, for example. So, so uh some of them do have unique printing and stuff like that okay. on them, uh, which I think would make those harder to counterfeit. But um I <sighs> Plus you can throw any old tape in there. Yeah. You can't identify it from the bottom. Um I I, I'm not into like graded media in general, um, but I think VHS is a lot like comic books in that um, you get art on the front. Some people like it and it's something movies these days are easily accessible in all sorts of other forms. So I don't really care that it's, you know, trapped in there just like a comic book. Yes, you, you've, you've, you're taking away its intended purpose, but you know, most of the comic books that you'd want to read that are graded that are regularly graded have reprints and trades and all sorts of other ways you can enjoy it. And movies are the same way. I think it's weird that we're grading VHSs, but in some weird way, even though I, I, I I kind of, I, I kind of understand the thought process, but I, I, it it doesn't, it's not something I'd ever be into. I Uh, no, I understand how they got there. doesn't mean I understand it, but I understand how they got there. No, again, I, I see counterfeiting being a bigger issue. I think it'll be easier to counterfeit, um, the seals. I'm not even talking about the covers. Um, I think that'll be easier too, versus like an NES game. And like I said, you can throw, you can throw, if you if you don't find the original tape, well, throw any tape in the bottom because they they weren't marked in the bottom usually. It's a standard VHS tape. They were all about the same damn thing. Every VHS tape. So, so we say, oh, dude, you the great on this company. Okay, yeah, sure, I get it. Hey, Pat and Ian, yeah. this is Steve from Bethlehem. Uh, this question is mainly for Pat. Pat, as a self-described fan of Spider-Man, who would you say is the greatest Spider-Man artist of all time? And if you say it's anyone other than Todd McFarlane, you are just incorrect. Thanks, guys. Wow, uh, Steve. Okay. Uh, John Romita is the greatest Spider-Man artist ever. He established the quote-unquote look of a lot of uh, the characters going forward. There was a lot of first appearances, uh, like Kingpin, that's like iconic. You think of Kingpin, it's it's Romita and things like that. Uh, Tom McFarlane, uh, not saying he's a bad artist, was not the person for Spider-Man. Uh, he drew Spider-Man like a fucking football linebacker. He made him look overly bulky and big. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man is supposed to be like 5'9", five, 5'8", five, 160 pounds, like dripping wet. Uh, Spider-Man is not supposed to be that big and bulky. And um, how can I say this politely? Uh, he drew uh, Mary Jane... Looking like a porn star. Um, Mary Jane went from like girl next door, cute to like, oh, looks like a porn star now. Like just like made her look like a totally different look uh, to the character. Never liked that. Just too over the top on the details. Um, yeah, not not huge into it, but I do think that's partially it's McFarland's style. But it's also that was just the 90s in general was beefcaking everyone up. 
women having like no waist, dudes having muscles on muscles on muscles. Um, and McFarlane was 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 a part of that as much as you know people yeah, like Layfield. And, and, and I'm not and, saying it's and, good, and, and Jim, I agree with Jim your Lee. statement, but. Yeah, it, what a weird time for comics. Yeah, and Jim Lee did good stuff, but like uh, Jim Lee did that too. That I did not like comics of that. It's funny because that's when the the bubble came. People were buying all that shit, but like that's almost destroyed the industry. Uh, when you got to the by the early to mid nineties. Um, next one here. I oh, yeah, McFarlane's the best. Why? Because of Venom. Andrew Venom. Hey Pat. Hey Ian. Rick Pasley from Rensselaer, Indiana. Hey Rick. Just want to let you guys know if if you're ever planning on coming to. Our neck of the woods, um, try Pizza King. It's great when it comes to pizza. It has the crumbly sausage as well as pepperoni. It's awesome. And it's thin, thin crust. It's very awesome. All right. Sounds good to me. As long I mean, as I'll, I'll always try some new pizza. As long as you're not putting fucking American cheese slices on top of it, uh, we'll, be, we'll be fine. Uh, right. That looks okay. Looks all right. You looked at you looked, did the research. Yeah, the South Bend in the end stuff looks good. You also got to be careful though because it brings up a lot of uh, uh, pictures of Giant Pizza King in San Diego, which is dog shit pizza. Okay, Giant Pizza King. Yeah, Giant Pizza King is not good. It's called Giant Pizza King. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I think I've heard of that one before. I do a few more here. It's my Cotillas. Oh, okay. Oh, Giant New York Pizza. Oh, sorry. There is a giant pizza king, too. You're okay. right. They're probably different. Hi, Pat and Ian. It's Aaron from the UK again. I'm mostly a fifth and sixth console generation collector and plier. A big chunk of those systems are CD-based. I just wondered what your thoughts are for the longevity of disc-based systems as they start to break down and fail, including first-party controllers. Do you think people will care about them, say, in 15 years' time to repair them or want to manufacture replacement parts? Or will they be doomed to obscurity as nostalgia wanes or simply just be emulated for the few enthusiasts remaining? Thank you for answering our previous questions on the podcast, and long live the PlayStation 1. So polite, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I think for, you know, those generation systems, I think we've already seen it. If you pay attention to emulation and console modding, we've already seen a lot of uh, ODs, you know, optical drive emulators where they go in and place the optical drive and you drop the SD card in yeah. and you're playing basically, you know, uh, perfect emulations of it through the system on your TV. Uh, interesting question about controllers, though, because I've noticed uh, over time, uh, I used to th consider when I first started working at Luna, I considered the PlayStation and PlayStation 2 controllers to be pretty, pretty reliable. Okay. Uh, no, they're not. I mean, not anymore. They've, they all started, I, you know, it, it's like that people always worry about planned obsolescence because, you know, when things start breaking, it all seems to happen at once. Uh -huh. But it was probably 2017 where we started noticing a lot of broken and bad PS2 and PlayStation so 1. The half life on rubbers and plastic started to go on them? Yeah, the shoulder buttons started to get weird. Things started breaking. Uh, you know, control sticks started to peel or spin. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, I don't think people are going to bother repairing them, honestly. They, can, they probably can, but there's aftermarket ones for almost all these but consoles. Third party controllers have increased in quality uh, tenfold in the past. Two decades. Retrobit does a ton of good ones. There used to be all right. sorts of shitty fucking controllers out there. And now, yeah, you can get your retro bits. And even, I know people don't want to hear it, even some, not all, 
of some of the Hyperkins were pretty decent replacements too. Um, their N64 cadet pad, by the time they got that, that was a pretty decent replacement. So, uh, you know, I think the quality of replacement controllers, especially those older ones that use cheaper technology, I, I, I think they're just going to get better. So you think that more, more of the optical drives with the SD cards for stuff like Dreamcast and PlayStation. Yes. I, I think, I think for people who want to do physical as they, as the disc prices start to go up, obviously collectors are going to be collectors, but people who just want to play this shit, uh, I would, I mean, if I cared, I would have gone to an ODE as soon as they came out instead of worrying I about mean, discs. It's not the worst thing in the world to replace some mechanics on, on the disc systems in terms of the drives or the lasers. It's just a pain in the ass. Well, it, you, it, know, you but... just can't. Uh, getting them, getting good yeah, quality ones. I mean, Sega Saturn laser lens repairs at Luna were like 50-50. He finally fixed Vonnie's. He almost gave up. He had to go through two lenses before he got one in there that worked. They're just sourced. They're, they're, they're the there's, source just, of, there's not. Yeah, there's just reliable. like the quality parts for that sort of stuff uh, doesn't seem to really exist anymore. And if it does, I'm not saying it can't, but if it does, I'm unaware of it. And I think a lot of people just, they've been like, instead of making these specific laser lenses, this ODE option is um, simpler. Not to 3D print them. Or do something, or, or do, or, or do like. Well, I think a lot of OBEs are like put into three D printed shells, basically. But I mean, like for like lenses, there ought to be something out there that does like a run. Oh, we do, we want to do a run of these lenses, or if the, if there's no manufacturer anymore, potentially. I don't know. I don't know. I do a few more here. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. It's Rich again from Cincinnati. Just want to say, hey, got a question for you. Quick question. While growing up, <clears throat> what was the most excited you were? for a new system and which system did you get your very very first console uh whether it be christmas birthday um uh, would like to hear that and okay which one uh i mean for me the, the the system i was most excited to get was a dreamcast and i bought that with my own money uh, i think that was probably my first system that i purchased well no i bought portables with my own money actually i bought a genesis with my own money my brother and i did but um the Dreamcast, I was a senior in high school. Uh, I was really into games. Um, I loved Sega stuff. I had done the preview with Hollywood Video the month before where I could rent the Dreamcast and I got Sonic Adventure. And I was fucking pumped to get my Dreamcast. That's probably the most excited I've ever been for a system. Uh, the NES was like I asked my father for it like every day for Christmas that fall of 87. I mean, I have that picture I put in my video from last year year and a half ago me holding it, my dad found the picture like i was that's the happiest i probably was uh ever i hate to say it. i was i was excited about the super nintendo as well getting that but it's just between at least for me when i was seven versus 11 the magic sort of fades a little bit at least in my mind from that that's a big sort of gap there in terms of how you are as a kid at least to me i was always excited when i knew i was getting a oh, console yeah. but i just remember getting swept up in the dreamcast stuff and being really excited about it i mean obviously oh. my brother and i were fucking thrilled when we took our raking money and went and bought our genesis when i got the nes i don't think i was super well aware of what the nes was um because oh. i think it was like oh, 87 it was 87 or 88, but kids weren't talking about it in uh, school you yet. Sh you should have been in Indiana in 86 in, in, in spring on Stranger Things. You'd be talking about it every day with your friends. <laughs> Get over it. People were trying to judge. Oh, they were tech kids ahead of the time. No, it's just bad writing. And then someone said those the, the, the Duffer Bros aren't. They're from the U.S., not from Europe. I was like, oh, okay. Then I don't know where I saw that. Then they should have known better. 
Hey Pat, hey Ian, this is Brian. Pat, I was at uh, Too Many Games this past weekend. I was the guy wearing the shirt uh, with a picture of you and I from Too Many Games 2017 on it. Just wanted to ask you both, uh, Pat and Ian, who your favorite Pokemon was. Thanks for everything. Uh, probably Meowth or uh, Sandshrew. I always uh, say Sandshrew, but I love Meowth as I, well. I know about five Pokemon, and my favorite is the one I want at Seaside, a Poliwhirl. Oh, Poliwhirls are great. I don't know. Is, is, Paul, is that a good or bad one? Yeah, it's a good one. They're on the right side of things? I think that was like the original Pokemon, too. Actually, I think like when the uh, designer started making the designs, I think it was the first one he drew. Well, really? I believe so. Well, there you go. And it was the first one I wanted the crane machine back in like 98 when it was still branded. <laughs> basically branded. It's either the first one he drew or it's his favorite. Uh, it's a bipedal amphibian Pokemon with a spherical body. Does, is there an attack? It, it, it makes you like dizzy. Sure. Is that what happens? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's just funny. God, I don't have that plush Poliwhirl. I need a plush Poliwhirl. I, I I think I should buy one. I have a uh, Bulbasaur. You see the Bulbasaur out there? Mm-hmm. I won that at Seaside as well. I won that in the crane. It's a lot harder winning a crane game than it used to. It used to be skill based. It used to be you picked it up, you got to the top side of the wing, you were good. Now it just drops it randomly. This drops it randomly. It just teases you, crane teases, claw tease. Sorry. All right. Well, that's it. For that's it. We're done. That was fun. I'm so hungry. We talked about awful jobs. We talked about uh, Monk Pack, use Coast to podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a fun time. It was a good one. And we're going to have great pizza in a month. I can't wait. Three and a, three and a half weeks we're going to be in New York. It's going to be special. I'm looking forward to it. I like being on the East Coast. You're taking the same one as me, right? Yeah, I booked it. Yeah, you booked it. <laughs> we're doing the Red Eye. Yep. So we'll get there like bright and early Friday and just eat, and eat pizza every fucking meal. As much as I three day or two day? Is there something open on Friday? There might be something on Friday, but it's two days for vendors. Okay. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Bye.